I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, fellow mourners of diet culture. Welcome back to RIP Diets. We're in season four now, which means it's a summer, summer, summer time. I have full disclosure tried to do this intro three different times today. I've been having a lot of trouble getting started, but it's time. I've been away for too long and I have a lot to catch you guys up on. So the last episode I recorded was uh, back in February, I think. Could it have been that long ago? Anyway, it doesn't, I digress. The last episode that I recorded, I promised you guys that I was going to start pre-recording and release a bunch of episodes this summer. It is April right now. I'm recording this and I'm getting started a little bit later than I had planned, but I still think it's going to be an amazing season that I'll have for you guys this summer. Um, And if you're listening to this right now, then it's here. Congrats. It's the summertime. I hope you're getting a nice tan. I certainly will be, even though I'm trying to get better about sun protection on my face. So if you see me walking around New York City and you see that I have a white, white face and a brown butter biscuit body, that's intentional, you guys. I'm trying to prevent wrinkles. I'm in my 30s. I don't know. People say it's a thing, but who fucking knows, right? Let's get down to it. It's a brand new season, season four of RIP Diets. So I want to ring in the new season with some very important information. I always assume that the people who are listening to this have been listening from the beginning, but I know that's not true. There might be someone who is listening for the very first time. So if that's you, first off, Welcome to RIP Diets. If you're coming in fresh to the podcast, here are a few key details for you to know. I'm not a registered dietitian and I am not a medical professional. You may hear some controversial viewpoints or hot takes from me, and there's no point arguing with me because. I know just as much as any of you, really. I have access to all the same information that you do, and I've formed my opinions based on what I read and listen to and watch on this topic. Uh, If you're having a health issue, definitely talk to your primary care physician. Don't use this podcast as a substitute for actual medical care or psychiatric care. I'm a professional podcaster. That has been my career for seven years, and I only got into health at every size and weight-neutral dietetics a few years ago when I struggled with multiple eating disorders and felt crazy around food and needed a way out. RIP Diets up till now has been an amalgamation of everything I've learned, but Through the podcast, I've also been able to document my own recovery and unlearning my internalized fat phobia and all the obstacles I've had to face along the way. This is not meant to be a strictly informative podcast. It's meant to be entertaining. It's also meant to challenge thoughts you may have or the media that you're consuming that is highly fat phobic just because... Our society is fat phobic as fuck, so it bleeds into everything we see and do. 
Something that happened to me recently that made me think, oh, I really need to start this fucking podcast up again. I really need to get back on the airwaves. I had a conversation with an acquaintance not too long ago. I'm trying to be vague. I was in Florida for a friend's wedding and there was a daytime pool party before the wedding. It was at this chic hotel in St. Petersburg with with one of those pools that's only three feet deep. And it always makes me wonder why anyone would build a pool that's only three feet deep. It's just confusing why anyone does that. But anyway, I noticed a bachelorette party across the way, just on the other side of the pool. And one girl was wearing a G-string. And I was living for it. Also, when I say a G-string, I want to just be clear. I'm not talking about a regular thong bikini because everyone wears those now. I see them everywhere. I go to Jones Beach in the summertime and I see an ocean of asses. There's the actual ocean and then there's one right ahead of it and it's just a sea of asses and I'm here for it. I say flaunt your body, get some tan cheeks. And when I'm at the beach, I'm in a speedo trying to tan my cheeks. So I'm not just talking about a thong. I'm talking about dental floss up the beehive and I pointed it out to someone honestly in a celebratory way like yo this girl's wearing a g-string to the pool and it is sickening and obviously he perks right up and says uh ooh, which one point her out to me and I already felt a tad weird about that like straight up objectifying an unsuspecting woman with the help of a man at the pool but she was out of sight by then anyway so I'm like oh, I'm not sure where she went, but she's there somewhere, you know. And he leans in and says to me, you know, some of these girls in that group, I wouldn't want to see them in a G-string. And God, this was one of those moments that you just have to walk away instead of calling someone out on their bullshit. I wanted to tell him, you shouldn't say that to people. That's really fucking rude to say about someone. But how twisted is it that I protected his feelings in that moment? Like, this guy happened to have a really hairy chest, which is fine and normal, but I personally like my mans to be hairless like a seal, okay? Everybody has their preferences. So what if I said to someone, Ew, I hate going to the pool and seeing men with their hairy chests out. Put it away. I don't need to see that from you. Oh, there are some guys that, you know, their their muscle tone is adequate so they can have hair on their chest. But that guy, he should really wax or something. Without a shadow of a doubt, if I said something like that regarding the men at the pool, I would be seen as rude and a bitch and someone who can't hang Or maybe that I'm uptight because how could I expect a man to shave his chest just for my own aesthetic preferences? But that's exactly the same as what he said about these bachelorette party girls. Some of them shouldn't show their butts because it wouldn't be aesthetically pleasing to him. It's such a gross thing to say, but... He felt comfortable saying that to me, probably because I'm a thin woman. So he thinks it's safe to say fat phobic shit to me. And that kills me. 
And I'm ashamed that I don't always say something, but I'm also very mindful of my surroundings. And a wedding pre-party didn't feel like the best time for me to get in a bitch fight with this dude over his blatant fat phobia and his demeaning attitude towards those women. It's also not fun for me to fight with people, and it brings me zero joy to do so. Anyway, that's why I have this podcast, so I can shame people without ever having to look them in the eye. I'm angry that no matter what I do or who I surround myself with or how much I try to educate myself, I still live in a world where just based on my gender, just based on the fact that I'm a woman, I'm expected to be a slave to the male gaze. I'm pissed off that a man would think it's okay to critique someone else's body like that, especially as it pertains to what he finds attractive, because that's why your physical appearance matters so much in this society. It's all connected to the male gaze. From the beginning of time, we have been slaves to the male gaze, and it's time to fucking shatter it. We've been brainwashed to view ourselves through the lens of what will be most attractive to men. And it's bullshit. It's bullshit. But a major, major thing has happened since I last spoke to you guys. And I wanted to address it because I I think it's actually helped me a lot in the past few months. Um, I told you guys I had like kind of a miserable winter and my winters are getting more and more miserable especially living in New York City. I'm just not able to handle it the way that I used to be able to handle it. Put it on all your shit, going outside, dressed up like Kenny from South Park, just praying that you don't get frostbite before the end of the day. I can't handle it anymore. And I'm telling you, my family lives here. We all live in New York, but if my family did not live here or if I was one of those people that didn't need their family the way that I do, I would move to the West Coast. I would move down to Miami, perhaps. There's no way I would stay in New York. But alas, I know the secret to joy and happiness for me is to be close to my family and to be able to see them a lot. So I just know that wouldn't work for me. But New York in the winter fucking blows and it gives me major seasonal depression. I'm convinced of it. And I think it's really common, actually, because we're just not getting outside. We're not getting that vitamin D. We're not getting the nutrients that we need to keep our spirits lively. So I'm just thrilled to have some warmth, have some sunshine back in the 917. And I hope you guys are having a fabulous end of spring, beginning of summer as well. The major thing that I'm about to tell you, you're probably going to be like, um, but I'm going to tell you anyway, I've scaled back a ton on drinking in the past couple months. If you listen to my other podcast, Hot Mess, you know that my co-host Andrea has been sober for like eight years or something. And I was never a person who felt like I needed to get sober or that I needed to stop drinking. I never felt like I wasn't able to moderate my drinking. And I just don't have such an addictive personality. I'm very lucky in that way. I haven't struggled with addiction aside from being addicted to restriction and, you know, binging and purging, which is a whole thing in and of itself. But I'm grateful that I've never had to cope with addiction other than that. 
However, in the past few months, I actually was finding it very difficult to moderate. I would be out at a social gathering or something and I would feel like I needed to drink and it's crazy. My hangovers, basically ever since turning 30, they have been kicking my ass. They've been so fucking bad. And it didn't even matter if I just had a couple glasses of wine, like literally two glasses of wine. I would wake up the next day and I would feel tired, fatigued. Uh, I'd have muscle aches and I would just feel like I was not functioning at 100%. And that's not how I want to feel on a daily basis. It's not really how I like to feel ever. Even on a weekend when I have the whole day, I don't want to use that whole day to get over a hangover. I want to use that day to do things that actually bring me joy and not just, you know, nursing myself back to health. So I was like, Emily, you don't need to drink. That's the thing. I I had this realization that was like, these instances that I feel like I need to drink, I don't really need to be drinking. So at the next social gathering, I decided to do, you know, a bit of an experiment and just not drink. And I just got a Coke instead. And it was really shocking to me how it was totally fine. And I didn't really notice a difference between when I was drinking, when I was not drinking. I didn't feel like anybody else noticed even. And that was huge because I thought that if I wasn't drinking, people would kind of notice and be like, well, why isn't she drinking? Or even ask me directly. That didn't happen. And this social gathering, by the way, was my friend's one-year-old's birthday party. So it was like, you know, it wasn't the type of situation where people were getting hammered or anything, but there definitely was sangria and beer and uh, hard seltzers and people were going in. People drink at kids' birthday parties. I don't know if you realize this. People go fucking ham because there's not much else to do. I mean, there was a bouncy house, but it couldn't handle more than a 30 pound child. I think I think the weight limit on it was actually 45 pounds. So I wasn't on that bouncy house. There was a swing set uh, set up, but it was baby size. So, you know, it, it, it's there's not much else to do but eat and drink. So I've actually noticed that at these kids birthday parties, the adults will drink, but I did not drink and I felt totally fine. Even around people that I don't see that often, um, I felt so normal. So then I took it to the next level. So then I had a a little happy hour with some old friends who uh, most of them do drink. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to order a Coke on the rocks with a twist. And I'm just going to sip on that and not drink any alcohol. And again, totally fine. So I'm at the point now where I feel really good and If I want to have a drink, if I go out to dinner, I want to have a glass of wine or I go to a wedding and there's an open bar and I want to have a little, you know, tequila, I think I can do that. It's not, my not drinking is not um, because I can't handle alcohol. It's really just because it doesn't make me feel that great. Specifically the next day. It just, uh, it's, it's not so worth it to me anymore, I think. So scaling back on that has actually made me feel a million times better. 
And also just knowing that I am in control over whether I drink and there's really no situation in which I have to drink. Even for social purposes, I haven't really noticed that big of a difference. I used to think alcohol helped my anxiety, and I've realized that it really actually doesn't. In some ways, it actually makes it worse because the next day I feel anxious about not being able to do things with my day because I feel bad and I'm trying to be kind to myself. But I also am like, why did you have to drink that much? You know, it's just... It was causing me too much distress. And so this is actually the first time that I'm even saying anything about it. And the only reason why I feel comfortable doing that is because I'm recording this months in advance. So that's kind of big exclusive news that you might want to know. I'm not drinking. Um, And if anybody has been thinking about scaling back on drinking, but you're nervous because your friends are heavy drinkers or... You go to a lot of events where people are drinking or, you know, summer's coming up and there are so many barbecues, so many outdoor drinking festivities and you're just you're nervous and you don't want to commit to it. Don't tell anybody. First of all, just tell yourself. And it also it doesn't need to be a hard rule like I'm going to stop drinking for the whole summer. It doesn't need to be like that. It could just be like the next social event that I go to. I'm going to drink a Coke. And that's actually my other suggestion is that if you get yourself a soda or uh, a mocktail, something blended, maybe a Shirley Temple, give it a nice, you know, bar mitzvah style welcome with a Shirley Temple. Um, I don't know, whatever your drink of choice is. That feels special in the same way that having a drink feels special. It's like a little bit something outside your norm, something that you might not drink every single day. For me, it's Coca-Cola. I don't drink Coke every single day, but I really like it. And if I have that when I'm going out, I kind of feel like I'm I'm still having something, but it's more than a seltzer and it's less than a cocktail. And for me, that's been really great for me. That's worked out really well for me. So if you want to give that a try, it's good to challenge yourself and to show yourself that you don't need to alter your brain to have a good time. And that's not really anything eating disorder or body neutrality related, but it's just something that I'm going through. And I think a lot of people have thought about scaling back on their drinking or some people listening to this show might be in their 30s and noticing the same kind of thing that I was noticing. And I think it can be helpful to know that you ultimately decide what is best for you. And nobody even fucking cares if you're not drinking. So give it a try. It's kind of fun to like have a little secret, you know, I'm drinking a Coke, but people probably think there's rum in this Coke, but there's no rum. It's just Coke. And honestly, it tastes so much better than a rum and Coke. Soda is so much better than alcohol. And um, I don't really like the taste of alcohol. So to be honest, I don't really miss it that much. That being said, I'm not counting out a glass of wine here or there. I'm not counting out a glass of rosé or a nice Aperol spritz this coming summer. I'm not counting it out at all. Just um, I don't need to be drinking the way that I was before. That's not something that I need to be doing. It's something that was not serving me. So that's something big that's happened uh, in the past few months. Something else that's happened to me. So uh, my boyfriend does not work from home anymore. So since the beginning of COVID, he had been working from home every day of the week. And 
a couple months ago, he started going back to the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it is the best. Oh my God, I love it so much. I love having the apartment to myself. You know, there are times that I, I miss him a little bit, but I still see plenty of him. So honestly, not really. And I just have my own space. It kind of feels like I live alone for those three days and I fucking love it. But, you know, since the pandemic hit, he had been doing most, if not all of the cooking. I think I've said this before, probably in an obnoxious way, like, uh, I don't cook, I don't clean, but let me tell you, I got this ring. Uh, <laughs> but... I decided, you know, since he was going back to the office for a few days a week, I should probably learn how to make some stuff. I should probably, you know, have some meal prep done, have dinner ready for him. That would be, you know, a really nice gesture. So in true 2022 fashion, I discovered via my cool Gen Z cousin, I discovered Emily Mariko's salmon bowl. And if you guys are on TikTok or you're clued in in any sense, you probably think I'm super chuggy and out of touch for bringing this up so late. But this girl, Emily Mariko, you can find her on TikTok. I think her name is Emily Mariko. She does these cooking videos. And I mean, first of all, this bitch is fucking rich. And she's going to uh, farmer's markets and Whole Foods. And y'all know that I do not shop at those places. But she does this really cool, easy looking salmon bowl. And all you do is you make some salmon fillets. You can save them in the fridge. And you also make some rice of any kind, which you can also store in the fridge. Duh. And you kind of just shred up the salmon, mix it in with rice, and then put some kewpie mayo, sriracha, some veggies if you have them, maybe a little soy sauce. And then you kind of put it in the uh, seaweed snacks, those crunchy seaweed snacks, wrap them up like a little roll and eat it. It is so simple, so delicious. So I've actually been making that for lunch for myself, which is like crazy. Who is she? I am a chef and sometimes for dinner. And uh, I've been figuring out some other easy recipes to make for dinner. So I'm like a cooking gal now, which I've never been in my life. It's a new me. And it's actually given me a lot of self-esteem to like be able to make things at home. Highly recommend it. So if you haven't seen that, go uh, check out Emily Mariko and her viral salmon bowl. It's actually like you see these things on TikTok and you always wonder, okay, it's like aesthetic and it looks cool and it went viral, but is it actually tasty? And I'm here to tell you it's actually so tasty and so simple and I never cook and I can make it, so you should do it. I've come to the realization that I am chuggy and that's okay. At first, when I heard that word, I was like, I'm not chuggy, but then I actually learned what it meant and I'm like, oh, uh, that's me. I am chuggy. And it's okay because I can't help it. I was born when I was born and I'm nostalgic about the things that I'm nostalgic about and so fucking be it. So we're unapologetically chuggy on this podcast. All right. So now another big announcement. I am debuting a brand new segment on RIP Diets. It's called I Have a Bone to Pick. 
And it's basically exactly what it sounds like. I'm going to talk about things that I have a bone to pick with, um, specifically related to diet culture. And this is meant to be collaborative. So I'm going to post the video on Instagram, but you can also just DM me. You need to comment something with which you have a bone to pick related to diet culture. So I'm starting it off today with oat milk. Oat milk is garbage. Oat milk is not good. It's watery. There's one blend of it that I do think foams up much easier, and that is the barista blend. So don't come at me and say, oh, but you haven't tried the barista blend. I have tried the barista blend, and it's okay. It's better than the store-bought oat milk, but it's still not as creamy as cow's milk, not as delicious. And hey, I feel like I need to say this because I'm going to offend people. If you have a dairy intolerance and you prefer to drink oat milk for your health, go for it. I have no issue with it. If it keeps your skin clear, if you have, you know, some other kind of medical situation that you need to drink dairy alternatives, fucking go for it. No sweat off my back. It doesn't affect me. However, if you do not have a dairy intolerance and you ask for oat milk when you go to a coffee shop because you think it's healthier for you, girl, it's not healthier for you. Oat milk has the best marketing team. I swear to God, it came out of nowhere. Almond milk reigned supreme for so many years and you just could not shake almond milk. You could not Cafes tried to do hemp milk. They tried to do rice milk. They tried to do coconut milk. It never came out right. And oat milk just swept the nation. And I'm noticing like more and more of my friends will go for the oat milk. My mom has oat milk in her fridge. I'm like, bitch, you have osteoporosis. You need to drink milk. You need to get some calcium. You need to rebuild your bones. I just wanted to tell you guys, in case you're one of these blind oat milk followers, if you look at the nutrition information, which is available to everybody, oat milk actually has fewer nutrients than dairy milk. It has half the amount of protein. It does contain vitamins such as B2, riboflavin. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. Um, it contains vitamin D and it does have fewer calories than cow's milk, which I think is the reason why people go for it, that and it has less saturated fat. However, you need fat and protein in your diet. And I generally think that cow's milk is a more nutrient dense milk. And if we're talking about milk to go in your coffee, Cow's milk is such a better consistency, such a better flavor. It's not watery. Oat milk is so bad, you guys. And once again, I'm going to reiterate because people get mad when I say stuff about this. If you have a dairy intolerance, go for it. Or if you just like the taste of oat milk, I'm not going to shame you for it. Like, go for it. I'm not an oat milk Nazi, so to speak, but... I do think that sometimes we blindly follow these health trends that really aren't serving us and we don't really know why we're doing it. I mean, I used to order almond milk in all my coffees and it's just because it had fewer calories than milk and I thought that it was healthier, but really I was missing out on a lot of really good protein, good fat, vitamins, 
calcium. I was missing out on a whole lot. And now I enjoy my coffee drinks so much more when I add milk to them. And I I just think it's a waste to put watery, oaty water in your coffee. I'm just not a fan. So that is my bone to pick. I just think oat milk is the most overrated coffee accoutrement on the market right now. And I want it to be eradicated from all coffee shops. So now that uh, I've started it off with my V controversial oat milk rant, please send me your bones to pick because I want to read them on the show. Um, I'll keep it anonymous, but I think it would be really fun to have us all participate in this because I have so many bones to pick and I know you guys do too. So DM me, ladies. Slide in my motherfucking DMs. You know I love it, so slide on in. As you can tell, guys, I'm in such a good mood. I'm so happy to be back. I'm so happy to be chatting with y'all. I'm going to be way more consistent this season. You can count on it. And hopefully this will be the vibe of the podcast moving forward. I want to be able to keep it light. I'm feeling really solid in my recovery right now. I'm feeling really fantastic about my body. I'm kicking ass at intuitive eating, like really kicking ass. And it's paying off in spades, just the years of work that I put into it and you know, the relapses and questioning whether I was doing the right thing. It's all coming together now. And I feel so fucking satisfied. And this could be you. This could be you. Like put in the work now, really focus on your intuitive eating practice. Listen to this podcast. Think critically about these diet culture messages that you're receiving on a daily basis and really question them and feel free to send them to me as well if you want me to commiserate. I love doing that. Put in the work now so that later on you can just enjoy your life because I feel like that's kind of where I'm getting to now and I just love being in this place. I've never felt so free. Keep at it and definitely lean on me for support if you need support because I want the best for all of you guys. I really do. So that's it for today. One episode down, nine more to come this season. We're going to have a blast. So until next week, peace, love, RIP diets. (laughs) 